On today's very special episode of Double Down Trent, we have a guest appearance by my father, whose name is... Papa. That's right. My nephew, Quinn, is here helping us out on our Christmas episode of Double Down Trent. So, my dad, Rusty, comes on and makes his picks as we discuss our office football pool where our very own insider, Coulter... Our model, Mr. Aaron, and my dad, Rusty, are all in one, two, and three of our office football pool. Me, the man, well, I'm not too far behind, but I'm in 16th out of 32, so I'm right dead center in the middle. We're talking our picks. We're going to make some NFC East picks. Is Dak Prescott up to the challenge? What does Rusty think as the resident Cowboys fan? And we also get a little peek behind the curtain to see how everyone is making their picks. We've only got two weeks left of the competition. The model is right on the back of Key Pick Cazalet. Can he catch him or will Key Pick Cazalet emerge victorious? So stick around for episode 61. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent. All right. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Aaron, a.k.a. The Model. Air, we got a special episode this week. We're talking NFL, but we got quite the crew with us. We have a number of NFL insiders, and I'll tell you what, right now, that that intro that you do every week, it never gets old. I, no. I just love it. I eat it up. Yeah, it's the best. So before we bring in our insiders, we can make our picks. It is bowl season. It is college football bowl season. Now, we are in uh, a few different leagues. We're going to make our picks. We actually have, we're going to do a full episode next week. Um, but why don't you let the listener know uh, the different pools that we're doing and uh, how we're going to make these picks. Yep. So we're doing two different ones this year. Uh, they're both very similar. So they're both a confidence style where there's uh, 39 or 40 bowls, depending on how you count it. If you include the national championship and some Alcorn state, uh, North Carolina, A&T, uh, a lot of these are just straight up. So you're picking purely based on the winner and nothing to do with the spread. So for example, I know Michigan is playing Alabama. If I am highly confident that Alabama is going to win that game, then they would tend to be one of my higher point games. And if that came through, that would, uh, that would give me additional points. So maybe I put that as my 39, 38 point game. And then you're going up against with other people in the pool. So for us, this is something we can talk about next week. What does that look like from our perspective in terms of, uh, spreads? So if I think Alabama is going to win by seven, uh, maybe that's more confident than another game that is going to be a win by six based on what I'm estimating in the model. We'll go through a couple highlight games next week and we'll see how we land. How are you feeling about it? You know, last year we did pretty good. We had some very success uh, this year. I don't know. I don't know. After the, my crash and burn that I experienced at the end of the season, maybe I shouldn't be making a lot of picks. Maybe we just let the model make these picks since the model got hot near the end. And one of the things I'm actually 
comfortable doing that. But one of the things that's harder with bowl season is there's a lot more variability. So for example, a lot of players who are going to the pros choose to sit and that has huge implications on the game outcomes. And that's one thing that my model would obviously not take into account. Another thing like uh, the game that's happening tomorrow night, we're taping this on a Thursday. The first bowl game is tomorrow night. Uh, Utah state is playing against Kent state. They had a couple uh, run-ins with the law. Now I don't think that's going to actually impact any of their players from actually starting Jordan love their quarterback. Who's pretty good. will will play, but you can see a lot of these players, you know, a great example is the Oklahoma Sooners are, are losing a couple uh, good guys who have impact with them. That's another something that the model doesn't take into account. So I'd be very hesitant to just trust the model completely. And we might need to make some tweaks manually based on what we know with the news. Yeah. And the other thing too, and I was mentioning this to, to AK is a lot of these teams that were competing for a bowl or a playoff entrance is the motivation still going to be there. I mean, we saw it last year with a team like Georgia who oh, yeah. they have been in the playoff. I think they thought they should have been, and then they didn't really show up at all for their bowl game and got blown out. So it seems like, Georgia, Utah, you know, a lot of these teams that just missed it, are they going to get up for that game? Or is it something that they're like, whatever, the season's over and they get steamrolled. So you always got to take that into account, especially when uh, we're doing picks with the spreads, like in Redpool. So there's a lot of variables and, and we'll jump into all that when we do our full episode. Now, this week, we're shifting gears again. We're doing something a little different here. So as we have been talking... Uh, throughout the entire season, we've been making our picks against the spreads, but we've been joined a pool. And I asked you guys to come into it. You guys are dominating. Me, eh, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> but we've got a special guest this week. We're welcoming on my dad, Rusty, <laughs> onto the podcast. So welcome, Rusty. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Now, it's your first appearance on the podcast, but you've been in the pool for a while. You've been the front runner. I have been the front runner all, all year this year, as a matter of fact. And now you've just slipped into second. Aaron's third, and our very own insider, Coulter, who's going to be joining us shortly, is in first. So how does it feel? I'd rather be in first. I'm not really crazy about I'm looking up, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a good week this week, and we'll see if we can turn the tides on him. Now, Mr. Model, you are right there. He's within your sights. Now, we're going to talk about our picks here. You think this is going to be sharing too much information? I'm really excited to get a little uh, insider picks before the games happen this weekend so I can make sure my entry is uh, good to go. I need to get a little of that good juju from Rusty. I The thing that's blown me away is how consistent he's been all year. You've just been in and out every week kind of doing it really well, and it hasn't been a ton of ups and downs. So to me, I'm like, that to me is more impressive than even – uh, the amazing spot that you're at, which uh, second place one point behind is really good. Yeah. You got to know that, you know, I've been in this long enough to know that there's still a lot of luck in these, these picks. It's, you know, it, when you start looking at these half point wins and half point losses, you know, they happen every single week. So it, you got to get a little bit of luck like uh, Philly had last week. And then, uh, and you kind of hope that your that your your uh, way that you do things pretty much stays the same <clears throat> every single week. So we'll give it a go and see if it works. And if I remember correctly, wasn't uh, Detroit? Didn't they just barely cover, like have a backdoor cover last week? I think they lost by thirteen, and in the pool that we do, it was thirteen and a half, something like that. It's a beautiful thing that half point. It's a beautiful thing sometimes. <laughs> the amount of losses I've had by half point is so disgusting. And those hurt so much more than when you just get the pick completely wrong. 
When you get like a backdoor cover and lose by a half a point, it drives me fucking nuts. It's just, it's the worst feeling. Well, I would love to do this and I'd like to put this question to both of you and then I'll offer my two cents. I would love to know, just give me a glimpse behind the curtain and talk to me a little bit about what your week looks like in terms of how you make your decisions for to do your picks moving up to uh, the Sunday games on NFL. What does that look like? Uh, well, basically what I do is I, I make my picks uh, Tuesday or Wednesday before, even before I see what the point spreads are going to be if I'm our, on our, on our league. Um, I, I try to pick teams that I'm going to, without the points and saying, okay, I think these guys are going to win. These guys are going to lose. And I really stick by, I mean, it's going to sound a little crazy. My rule of thumb is, you know, the 10, six, I, I always want 10 favorites, six dogs. Um, this year, however, you're looking at uh, more dogs than favorites this year. So you got to kind of move that to nine, seven, or even eight, 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 if you want to, but the 10, six formula usually works, uh, really works pretty well. And, and so this is the first time I'm ever hearing about the 10, six or nine, seven. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What the heck does that mean? So obviously, you know, 10 favorites, six, but why, what's the thinking around that? This it, the league to me is set up so that obviously the best teams win. So if you're going to take a team and you're going to say, okay, who's better, the Giants or the Redskins? I always want to pick the, the better team, no matter what the conditions are going to be. So I, if I lose to a better team, so be it. I want I want to pick the better team. So when I if, I, if it's a point that I lose by, big deal. I, I feel so much better when I pick a team that's that's a better actually a better team in my mind. So. That's my philosophy. So do you, do you, Aaron, do you always look at how many favorites you picked underdogs or is it just, you make picks? No, I have never once. And that's exactly why I asked. I have never once looked to see the number of favorites and the number of underdogs I'm picking per week. That's never really? once crossed wow, my mind. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. That's, that's almost like the first thing I do look at. So it's funny. So to give you a glimpse behind my curtain. So what I'll end up doing is typically on, I think, what is it? Tuesday, the, our pool will come out and have the lines locked in. So that's typically yeah. the first time I'll go in and actually look, I usually don't look to see what the matchups are without the lines and I'll make picks based on gut on that initial day. Same and then what I'll end up doing uh, over the course of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is that I'll watch the lines and how they move in the market. Uh, in terms of betting, just so I kind of understand who folks are on and kind of what those lines are moving to see if I can get something at like minus six and a half and it moves up to minus eight, for example, then I feel really good that I'm on that minus six and a half team. Uh, just so I'm trying to find the value that way and have the market take, take the news and what's been happening over the course of the week. And then I may, you know, listen to a podcast here or there, just so I'm making sure that I'm in the know about what's happening, but that's kind of the third thing that I'll do. And I don't always get to it. And that's how I put it all together. Interesting. Now, I don't necessarily stick by the like certain numbers, but when I go through my picks, I just look at them and I make a gut decision. I'm like, all right, who's a better team in this one? And I make the pick. So I, I first pick who I think is going to win the game, and I just go through at that. Uh, then I let it sit. You got to let it sit and walk away. Don't even think about it, right? And then what I will do is before the Thursday game is I come back around, and then I start to look at the spread. And that's when I start to think like, all right, I know that team is going to win, but we get a cover here and there, and then I flip-flop it. Now, the cardinal sin, and I warned you guys <laughs> about this, is don't flip-flop on Sunday morning. 
I do it all the time. You do it all the time. <laughs> our insider Coulter Coulter. Does it all the time. He, he's making our picks on our podcast. And when he comes on in a little bit, he'll explain it. And then the next, on Sunday morning, he'll flip it. And, you know, it's working out for him. But I've been on the other end where it just burns you. And for me, after the Thursday game is, is started, that's it. I don't look at it. I don't change it. I'm not doing it anymore because there's been years where I've just switched off on Sunday morning and got every switch wrong. And that's, <laughs> nothing makes me more mad than that. I would rather just get the pick completely wrong than to, to switch it on Sunday morning just to lose that pick. So I try and let, like the set it and forget it method. And this year, it's just not working out for me. Uh, you know, I'm just not doing that great on, the, on our pool. But as everyone knows who's listened to Double Down Trent, he picked Cazalet is just on fire. Now, we'll get into this. I missed last week, and I, I had a, a crucial oversight, but we'll, we'll get into that. So I missed it, and I'm curious to see once Colter comes on how he's doing. Should we uh, go into last week picks and just go through how we landed and what the standings are, or do you want to cover something first? Well, first, uh, I do want to ask – my dad here, because he is a Cowboys fan. He's wearing his Cowboy hat. Oh, man. It's been the best season, but they're alive. <laughs> and they're playing Philly this week. So if you're picking it, we can get into it. But I want to see what your pulse is on the Cowboys. I'm a little worried this week. Um, it is one of my picks, so I'll get into it a little bit more detail okay. in a minute. Uh, the only thing that scares me is the Prescott injury, the, the sore shoulder. He has never missed practice since he's been a pro. This week he was out. He missed his practice uh, Wednesday, so I'm a little concerned by that. Well, I was going to ask you, because this is a classic uh, New England Patriots Tom Brady thing, where they put Brady on the injured list. They say, yeah, he's questionable. We'll see how he does, and he's fine. Do we think this is a uh, an attempt at head games by the Cowboys? I, it's just, like I said, he's never missed a practice. Now, all of a sudden, he's out Wednesday. I don't think that's a coincidence. Okay. All right. Now, uh, do you think that's offset at all by the random receivers uh, Philadelphia Eagles are throwing out in terms of, like, Ricky, <laughs> Bobby, and Joe that they yeah, picked up off yeah. the street? I'm like, I couldn't even tell you good. who's playing on that end. You're getting into some of my uh, my strategy on this one, too. Yeah, <laughs> who are they throwing it to? Yeah. Who's actually making Ryan here can probably catch more than those guys can. I don't know. <laughs> so, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. If that's one of your picks, we'll we'll jump into that one. But uh, I uh, I definitely missed, and it's rare. I missed my key pick last week. And uh, you want to let, let's go read through what we did last week, and we'll we'll discuss it because this was a big oversight by me. Yeah, and I think there's a nice narrative around it, which I'd love to hear more. All right, so just as a quick high level, last week, uh, me and Coulter went one and one. Casale, you went zero oh and two. Unfortunately, uh, as for Coulter, his first game, he had New England minus nine and a half over Cincinnati. That turned out to be a win. Patriots came through very nicely there. His key pack uh, was a Monday night game, Indianapolis plus nine and a half over New Orleans. Uh, that one was a loss. The uh, That game was never close, and that one was a, a big one. Casale, your first game, your non-key pick was Oakland minus 6.5 over Jacksonville. That was a close game. Jacksonville ended up coming back to win. That was pretty brutal, but it never looked like it was going to cover. And then key pick Casale, Miami plus 3.5 over your own New York football giants. Talk to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the deal. The Giants had no business winning that game. They shouldn't have won that game from their their franchise standpoint. But here's what 
I, I oversaw and I missed this and I'm really mad at myself for missing this. And that it was Eli's last home game. I can't believe I didn't see that. He had a little magic left. The, the fans are behind him. You know, when you look at his final stat line, it was two touchdowns, three interceptions. That's right on brand for Eli. But he had a little magic left in the tank. And I cannot believe I missed that. And that's a bad job by Keith Pekaslik. But this is my promise to the listeners. I will be back this week, okay? The return of Keith Pekaslik is coming. So that's all I have to say about that. Now, I, I would like to welcome on our very own NFL insider, Coulter. We were mentioning our picks from last week. Coulter, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you guys for having me. Hopefully I didn't miss too much in the intro. Didn't miss much. Uh, what we did go over, though, is the standings in the pool. So you have overtaken my father now in first place. Now, I'd just like to get a quick uh, statement on how it feels to be in the lead <laughs> with two weeks left. Uh, it's nerve-wracking. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking about the pool a lot more than I was in weeks two and three and, and four, you know, it's like I'm looking at all the different games and if, do I have the right picks? There's going to be a lot of overthinking come Sunday morning, I'm sure. And uh, not having a Thursday night game is definitely throwing me off a little bit too. I feel like part of the weekly tradition is definitely getting ready for that first pick on Thursday night. So not having that game is definitely kind of throwing me off for a little bit of a loop. Yeah. And we got three games on Saturday. So we'll go into it. Uh, what we did discuss, Coulter, was a little bit of the peek into our strategies. So my dad, he mentioned an interesting little factoid of the 10-6. We're not going to repeat it too much for the listeners, but essentially he wants to have 10 favorites, six underdogs, seven underdogs, somewhere in that range where it's not too swayed on one side. Uh, why don't you give us a little peek into your method? Because as the listeners know, you're not hitting on the pod, but you're <laughs> on the lead. Yeah. You know, I kind of just look for games that are lopsided. I think like the Jets and Bengals one's a good example. I, you know, all on the Jets during the week. And then come Sunday morning, it's like you just see there's just so much action on the Jets. And you're like, this Jets team getting three and a half on the road. But then sometimes it's like I don't even apply that same logic because it's like I'm looking at Cleveland last week. How did I end up on the Browns as favorites on the road? Because, <laughs> me both. Yeah, it's just like a terrible, uh, you know, I guess there's really no rhyme or reason to it. I have a similar strategy, though, in, in that I'm, I'm not always going to take one side of the column. It's definitely a more of a diversity and just trying to find the best dogs. I think if in a week like last week, a good example is three out of four of those big dogs ended up winning and covering. Whereas there's always one that will win straight up. And it was the Falcons again, actually a nine, a point, nine, nine and a half point favorites in San Fran. So hitting on those games, I think is really colossal getting the right underdog um, and then betting on the right big favorite, you know, and not getting trapped with the team that, um, you know, has a nine point spread and betting with San Francisco in that spot. So I've been able to avoid a lot of those um, on the podcast. As our listeners know, I gave out the Saints or the Colts last week as a big underdog. So that was incorrect. I did get the Falcons right, thank God. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of some of the inside. And then I love to fade the New York radio guys. Anytime, <laughs> I, anytime I hear that something, and actually it's funny because we were all in the pod last week and huge agreement on that Cowboys game, right? And we yeah. said four or five to six points. We said it, and it was like from Adam's mouth to God's ear because two days later on the radio, I said I heard some jackass use the exact same thing, and he said, oh, I wouldn't bet the Cowboys if they were plus six. Switched my pick to the Cowboys. <laughs> Do not regret that at all. New York media, I'm telling you, that is a great barometer for idiocy. All right. I like that. Uh, as you heard, I mistakenly 
handicap, New York Giants. I went all in. Everything I say, I stand by. They should have lost that game. Pat Shermer is a terrible coach. Gettleman should be fired. They need to lose out, but somehow they still won. What was your take on that game? I think we lost your audio there, Coulter. So uh, I, I still can't believe it. And now I'm hoping that uh, moving forward that, um, you know, we still lose out because they need to get that draft pick. And they, they can't, they can't uh, win any more games because then they go from going potentially the second pick to the fifth pick. So I stand by what I said. Yeah, honestly, it was such a Pat Shermer thing to do is is win that game and set up a spot where now you could potentially fall out of the top three in the draft and potentially lose out on getting Chase Young, who will really bolster the defense. Um, and this is a get another reason, as we've laid out throughout the season, why Pat Shermer should be fired, because it's like a coach should be aware of that. Um, it leaves you in a really tough spot. Who do you pick in that Redskins game this week? I, I kind of want to lean towards Big Blue, I think. Uh, if anything, that game showed me last week that their coach is motivating them to win games, even though they shouldn't be. Uh, so it's one of those kind of perplexing teams that is now at the end of the season, finally showing signs of life. You have your best game from Barkley all year. Uh, Eli is throwing the ball better than I think people expected him coming off the bench. So unfortunately for you, buddy, the torturing continues with Pat Shermer. I think they're going to win this week against the Redskins. No, don't say it, Coulter. Don't <laughs> even say it. Well, all right. That's a good segue let's jump right into our picks this week uh so for the listeners let's just do a quick reminder we're gonna pick two, uh and we're gonna make one regular and one key pick so go ahead mr model and i just want to remind folks where the standings are right now as we enter this um so ryan you are still all year leading in first place out of our three of us on this podcast you have 26 points overall 15 wins 14 losses um i my friend am coming on fast do not look behind you. I am there. I am right behind you at 25 points. I have 16 wins, 15 losses. My key picks have not been as locked as your key pick has has been. And then Coulter, uh, still coming, uh, right around the corner there a little bit, I guess, uh, 13 points overall, 11 wins, 20 losses based on your podcast picks. You know, yeah. to, why does this to me feel like the same thing that we did with our college football picks? All of a sudden you're fucking chasing me down here. I'm fading near the end. But guess what? He picked Casley is going to return. So let's start this week. Uh, our guest of honor, my dad, Rusty, why don't you make your first key pick, your first pick, your non-key pick? This is going to be more of a gut pick because uh, living here in, uh, in uh, New England, I'm going to be leaning on the, uh, the NFC East, of course. So we're going to go with the giant Washington game. Mr. Coulter, just as you have suggested, um, <laughs> My pick in this game is going to be Washington, and I'm going to give you the same. I gave give the logic to what we were thinking. Of, I was thinking about last week. The Giants cannot afford to win this football game. I don't care what you say. Someone from the upper, from the front office, is going to tell Pat Shermer. I don't care what you do. Lose the game, but don't look like you're losing the game. I don't care. Give it to Barkley 30 times. I don't want to win this football game. Make that clock go, and let it happen. Um, I know for a fact that um, Barkley's going to have a huge game because Washington, obviously, they're 28th against run defense. They're awful. So Barkley's going to have a huge game this week. Um, I, I'm just kind of hoping he eats a lot of time on the clock. That's all I'm hoping for. Um, so that, those are that the biggest reasons I think the Giants are going to lose. Washington, hey, give Haskins a little credit. He looked good last week. 
When he got rid of the ball in two or three seconds, the ball was right on the money. When he took time, that's where he had trouble. So hopefully he can do the same thing this week against an awful, awful giant secondary. So I'm, I'm looking for Haskins to have a big game. It's going to be close. And I don't really care if it's close because my team's getting some points. I'm going with Washington in this game. I'm with you. Uh, I don't need to repeat what I said last week, but it's true. And the other thing we got to factor in, too, is Haskins to McLaurin. That was the connection at Ohio State. And it looked like they're finding the rhythm again. And the Giants, let's not forget, just cut Janoris Jenkins. So, all right, before I go into that, again, one more just giant fuck-up by Dave Gettleman. <laughs> Why don't they trade him? Like, get rid of him at the trade deadline. They knew he was one of the only guys that they could have traded. And instead, what do they do? They just cut him for dead money and get nothing back. Uh, I'm all over this. Washington minus two and a half. I, it, it, the, the Giants can't even be in this game. Okay, so I... I haven't thought about this as much as you guys have, but I will admit I am on the Giants plus two and a half here. (laughs) I, I think about it a little differently. So to me, this is an Eli Manning game wanting to come out and prove himself as still an NFL caliber quarterback in one of his most likely last performances that you'll see, right? Maybe he's back next year. Maybe not. I don't know. But to me, they're going up against a Washington team that has been subpar all year. You still have a rookie quarterback behind the helm who, to me, is incredibly unproven. I just see this as a Giants win that's going to be motivated from last week. I think they are healthier with Tate back and Barkley playing decently well. So to me, yeah, they probably should have lost last week. But I don't think that comes into the realm of their thinking. And I think uh, they will win this one outright. Yeah, I'm in full. I'm in full agreement with the model here. I wouldn't. I would never say Eli Manning and Pat Shermer is a best bet. Uh, so I would stay away from this game as a quote unquote best bet. But this is there's just too many points. I mean, the Giants getting two and a half against a Redskins team who I think if you go through every single team schedule, this is a team with the worst wins in the NFL. They beat a Dolphins team that was trying to lose in Miami on a game where they went for two at the end of it. That was a complete crapshoot of a game. And then they beat uh, two backup quarterbacks, the Lions and the Panthers. Those are terrible wins. Those organizations have fallen completely flat this year. I would argue that the Lions and the Panthers in the NFC have uh, they've been the worst in terms of what their expectations were versus what they actually have been on the field. So those two wins, Miami is or I mean, uh, Washington is way overinflated because they've beaten three teams, Miami, Detroit, Carolina. This is a team that is not very good. Those wins don't impress me at all. I think last week's game, you guys mentioned Haskins playing well. Philadelphia secondary is shot. I mean, you saw that two weeks ago on Monday Night Football. Eli Manning looked like Dan Marino against those guys. I mean, that secondary can't cover anybody. I think there's a good reason why, uh, you know, people are saying you should start Michael Gallup and start uh, Randall Cobb this week in your fantasy football championships. And it's because this Eagles secondary can't cover a cold. And that's why McLaurin got loose against the Eagles. you know, I just don't trust Haskins. I can't believe he's a favorite in this spot. Give me the Giants and the points. Are we sure Eli's starting? Is that confirmed, or is Daniel Jones coming back? Either way, the Giants have a quarterback advantage. I just, yeah. I think Haskins is the worst starting quarterback besides the backups. I mean, in terms of pure starter, he's the worst pure starter, I think. And I would say, I was just going to say, if Eli Manning isn't starting to me, then that drastically changes my pick. Because to me, I just assume that he'd be starting again this week. Well, one other thing you guys are going to have to remember, too, is Washington is seventh in the league in sacks. <laughs> I don't care who's the quarterback for the Giants. He's going to be under the gun all, all game long. That's I a good point. 
And for me, the secondary, too, you mentioned, you know, really secondary sucks. The Giants just got rid of their best corner. They're starting all either rookies or second-year guys. Antoine Bethea at safety can't cover anybody. I just think they're going to pass all over him. It's something about this game feels weird. And if the Giants win this game, I will drive to the Meadowlands on the way home, and I'll stop, and I'll tell Dave Gettleman that he's a fucking moron and he needs to get, just be gone because that would be the worst fucking thing to happen to that team. All right, that's my giant rant. I can't do this all day. The fans have already heard that. But but don't you see that this is just like it's a home run spot for your emotions to get crushed. I hate to like put the salt in the wound, but I mean, doesn't it just make so much sense to you as a Giants fan that they're going to win this game? I mean, yeah. it just to me, it just screams, please take the Giants because they're going to fuck this up and not end up drafting Chase Young. Just if that happens next week, I'm we're going to do full Dr. Melfi session, okay? It's going to have to happen. Ugh. All right, Coulter, why don't you give us your first pick? Uh, first pick, and this uh, this was really a tough one to do, but I'm going to go with – I can't even believe it. it. This is one of those picks that goes against everything in my, my box of tricks. I'm going to go with the Chargers, minus six and a half. And let's just start off with a talent discrepancy here. This is a lot of points for Anthony Lynn, and I'm aware of that. But when I did the top 10 player breakdown in this game, I found myself with nine Chargers. Phil Rivers, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Bosa, Casey Hayward, Melvin Ingram, Derwin James, and Thomas Davis, and one Oakland Raider, left tackle Trent Brown. Without Josh Jacobs, this Raiders team really lacks identity. I'm sorry, the model's giving me an X hands. Sorry, and I was just thinking, I could have sworn I saw a news article earlier today saying Trent Brown is not going to play along with Josh Jacobs. Perfect. Even better for my handicap. That means that the chargers have all 10 best players on the field. He's out for the rest of the year. Pretty sure. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. This is a Rams team, a Raiders team that lacks identity uh, and their greatest off their greatest asset is their offensive line and their young running back. And that's being completely neutralized by injuries. I don't see Carr moving the ball here at all. Um, and then the second point of this handicap is this is a home run revenge spot. The last time these two teams played, it was on Thursday night football. The chargers could have easily won that game. I know we've talked about it on this podcast. I was on the wrong side that night. And obviously I haven't learned from my mistake because I'm still taking the same team here with uh, LA, but, uh, I don't know. I just think this is a chargers team that's motivated. They won 12 games last season. They're going to try to save this season and salvage it the best that they can. They've been playing hard in every game this year. They've had close spots. I think Oakland is devastated. I mean, look at what happened last week on that field. Oakland has checked out. They're moving to Las Vegas. They have no more home games and they couldn't even be Doug Marone in their final home game at the Coliseum. Uh, you can't like where that Raiders locker room is at all. They lack talent. They lack motivation give me the chargers. It's a lot of points for Anthony Lynn at home, but I don't really care. There's a lot of talent on that Chargers sideline. Yeah. The Raiders absolutely burned me last week. I thought they would get up for the black hole. They're done. They're absolutely dead. I couldn't agree more with you here, Coulter. I got the, uh, the Chargers as well. Like you said, it is a lot of points, but what what talent does the Raiders have? Who do they got that's going to play that's going to put up with them? So I, 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 the Raiders are so checked out this year. I think it benefits Gruden to have a better draft pick. Um, I'm in full agreement. Aaron, what do you got there? Yeah, I too am on the LA Chargers minus six and a half. I like that. I earlier today, like I said, Josh Jacobs is not going to play his shoulder is still bothering him. And then Williams is out for the rest of the year with a pectoral injury. So to me, this is uh, I don't love it. I wouldn't make it one of my non key or key picks, but I too am on the same side as you. 
Yeah, the Chargers uh, with Rivers, you just never can tell what kind of game you're going to get from the guy. He's, it's, it, and especially if it's close, he's going to lose. Um, I don't see. <laughs> I think Oakland just lost. Oakland just lost their their nerve to play games. I don't know why. This is a good football coach. Every single week they should be playing for their job and they should be up for every single game. Last week was awful. Are you going to tell me that they're going to play the last game in front of those fans and they're going to throw out a game like that? It, it just didn't make any sense. I think he's. I think it's a problem for for Gruden this week. I really do. Rivers, I hate. He's like Trubisky. I hate betting on him. I think I'm with you guys on uh, on the Chargers side this week. Yeah, I, they're they're just done. I think that Raiders team is actually showing their true colors. Like they got a little hot early in the year. They they were flirting with the playoff spot. This is who the Raiders are. I think they're, they're a year away. So we're in full agreement on that one. Uh, okay. Mr. Model, what do you got for your first pick? Yeah. I, I I have a theme going this week. I am taking two road favorites are my two key picks for this week. So the first one that I'm going with, my non-key pick, I'm taking New Orleans minus two and a half at Tennessee. I actually really, so I think Tennessee has you know, been a pretty good team. They've been rolling recently and they had a little blip last week. Um, they didn't come through like I would have hoped. Uh, I expect that to continue this week. I think this is going to be one of the biggest games this weekend. To me, when I look at the New Orleans offense, they are just been firing on all cylinders in their last five games. They've scored 34, 34, 26, 46, 34. And to me, that's something that that clicking, especially this late in the year, is huge. Uh, their defense has also been playing muh, I'll call out maybe points against me, but I also don't think that Tennessee has a, a, a lighted up offense either. Right. I think they're much more methodical in how they move down the field. Derek Henry is an absolute man among boys, but to me, I really like New Orleans in this spot minus two and a half. Colton, what do you got? This is my best bet. Believe it or not, the Saints minus two and a half. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the model should be celebrating over there. I'm nice. <laughs> but but here is my logic actually from this. I really badly wanted to go with Houston minus two and a half in this best bet spot, but I could not hitch my wagons to Bill O'Brien. So what have I come up with here in the penultimate episode of for our reg- the regular season? I've come up with a mechanical parlay based on what I'm thinking is going to happen on Saturday, which is Houston has to beat a de- depleted Tampa team that has not played without its two receivers all year. This is an offense. that's not going to have any identity. That team's identity is strictly with Evans and Godwin. Jameis is going to be a mess without those two. He doesn't trust Howard, the tight end. The running backs are inadequate. That team is going to come up short. So what happens? Houston beats Tampa Bay. Then Tennessee is going to know its outcome and that's going to crater their motivation. If, if Houston wins the division on Saturday, yeah, the wild card is still going to be in play for this Tennessee team, but this is a team that had a realistic shot of winning the division. They had Houston at home last week and they blew it. So this is a team that's going to be just down in the dumps with Houston winning the division on Saturday afternoon, which I think is going to happen. If the saints go up early here, I think the model hit the nail on the head. This is a Tennessee offense that I don't trust coming back uh, from a deficit. They have Henry who's a top three running back in this league, but their firepower to come back from a 10 point deficit. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I like Brown, the receiver, but I think he's going to be blanketed by uh, Lattimore. And if Lattimore can cancel out Brown, I think te- that leaves Tennessee scrambling to find big chunk plays. They do not have guys on the roster that can make up for this. 
one last tidbit. I think this is a huge coaching mismatch here. I like uh, what Vrabel has done in Tennessee, but there's no question about it. I've been saying it all year on this podcast. Sean Payton is clear cut the league's second best coach. Picking against him is stupid, and I'm just not going to do it anymore. Even on the road against uh, against this Titans team, even if they're favored, you know, two and a half, three, it doesn't really matter. The Saints have the better roster here. Peyton can see the home field advantage in his sights. This team is going to be max motivated where I think Tennessee is going to be down. Um, the, the Packers, the other thing too, with the saints too, you have to remember is the Packers have a tough divisional matchup on the road as do the Niners. So even though they're the three seed today, this team could still be number one. And so they're not going to let Tennessee get in their way. I see them just continuing to just plug along and, and crush teams in the last two weeks. I love betting on the saints, Sean Payton, great coach. And I just don't think that Tennessee offense is uh, adequate enough to erase a deficit if, if New Orleans goes up early. Yeah, I'm all on board here. Um, that Saints offense has been clicking. They're running all over the place. I mean, how are they stopping Michael Thomas? That guy catches everything. It looks like he catches 10 passes like it's nothing. Um, I think you nailed the, the nail on the head there, Coulter. If, if Houston wins... That's going to be demoralizing for Tennessee. Uh, they're a scrappy team, but they kind of remind me of, of uh, Seattle. If, they, if they're going to have to come back, I just don't see Tannehill being able to lead that and, and trying to keep up and score with the Saints here. Two and a half is not a lot of points, so I'm with you. I'm on the Saints. What did we see from Tannehill this – oh, sorry. You go ahead. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm probably the only guy on Tennessee then, obviously. Oh, baby. We got to – not so fast, my friend. Again, I go with it with my uh, my 10-6 uh, philosophy of 10, 10 favorite six dogs. So I, unfortunately, that's one of the games that I picked as a dog. Um, Tennessee at home has been good all year. The uh, the quarterback is solid. I mean, you got to tell me he's six and two over his. I think he's six and two or seven and two his last nine eight nine games. Um, he has made a difference with the team, and man, Ed Henry is some is a load to stop. Um, it's, it's New Orleans on the road. New Orleans in a dome, obviously, you take New Orleans in a dome. New Orleans on the road, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I, I don't like betting New Orleans on the road. So I'm, I'm uh, kind of leaning towards uh, Tennessee this game. Uh, this is one, one point I can gain on you. I love it. <laughs> I think a, a key thing to go into our handicap here is Tannehill. You just mentioned, I agree, he has played outstanding and nothing to take away from that guy. But if you look at the last seven games, the two losses were games where his team was trailing three interceptions in those two games, three touchdowns. Whereas uh, in the five game win streak, that Tennessee had cobbled together in between those two losses, Tannehill or four games, I should say Tannehill was lights on fire. I mean, this guy threw 11 touchdowns in just one pick. So what happens when this guy falls behind? He gets into trouble. He forces the ball. He's less accurate than we think he is. And he returns back to the norm when he's playing from behind. So if the saints jump out to a lead, I think we see a lot of what just happened with Houston. Tannehill is playing from behind. He's going to make a mistake, maybe two mistakes. And once that happens, I think the wheels come off the bus for the Tennessee offense. All all I need is one or two Ryan Tannehill interceptions. And there's no way Tennessee's winning this game. I think. Yeah. All right. A uh, big difference there is is the running game. Obviously, New Orleans gets a uh, 109 yards a game, where Tennessee is doing 130 a game. It's going to be true. a ground game. It's going to be a ground game for Tennessee. The whole, I mean, Tannehill again. I think he's very, very good. Henry is is the difference here. I just think Henry at home is going to be the difference. All right. We. Shall I think the. 
the listeners too. Uh, the best number. This is already up at three on the board. If it gets to three and a half come Sunday morning, take the Titans. That's my advice to the listeners. I know the Saints are my best bet at two and a half, but if it gets all the way up to three and a half, then there's a lot of value on Tennessee. This is a team that has a great defense. They're playing at home, and I think your dad just hit the nail on the head too. With the the field is a huge factor. Uh, I like Tennessee with the, or I mean, I like the New Orleans with the number right now where we have it in the pool, but. That is not to say in the morning, Sunday morning, it could be three and a half. It could even go up to four. I bet the Saints are very popular this week. So my play is specifically on the two and a half number and anything more than that, I would say don't play it or play Tennessee. Yeah. All right. Good clarification. So for me, last week, I got off course. I picked the easy route and I just picked against coaches that I thought were dead in the water. It kind of backfired on me. Having said that, I'm making my first pick against a dead man walking, okay? I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens minus 10.5 in Cleveland against our boy, Freddie Kitchens. Now, I know what you want to say. The Browns outright beat the Ravens earlier in the year. That was a long time ago. The way Lamar Jackson is playing football right now, I don't know who is going to stop that man. And it's certainly not anybody on the Cleveland Browns. Freddie Kitchen just got embarrassed by Cliff Kingsbury, okay? Embarrassed. So the coaching mismatch there between Harbaugh and Kitchens, we've gone over it ad nauseum here. I'm sure Coulter's got some thoughts on Freddie. I just think that the number one seed is available for Baltimore with a win today or on Sunday. They get that win. They got the one seed. Patriots are still sniffing around there. I think they're going to come out here and just have an absolute statement win. I know somewhere down there that's burning them that they lost to the fucking Cleveland Browns. And I just think they come out and blow the doors off this team. Good solid pick, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't see – I have uh, I have three or four teams that I have that are spinning out of control. <laughs> Jacksonville, Cleveland, Oakland, and Detroit. Cleveland, when, when you have actual players on TV – telling them, trade me, get me <laughs> off this team. Are you kidding me? How is that coach going to get that team ready to play? It's just not going to happen. Uh, you, you might as well mark Cleveland down for the next two weeks. They're, they're losing, and they're going to lose badly. That's my, that's my feeling. I'm right there with you guys. I too am on Baltimore minus 10 and a half. The one thing that I'm just seeing against us in the market, this has moved down to minus 10 and not up to minus 11. So folks are seeming to jump on the Cleveland side, but yeah, I'm going to continue to ride the hot team here. I like Baltimore in this spot. Yeah, it's a ton of points uh, for a team that's on the road, but I mean, this Baltimore offense is just too explosive. Uh, I mean, the jets just had no answer to, for him last week. I don't see how kitchens and the crew could have an answer for them. Uh, this guy, Freddie kitchens is, I mean, he makes Hugh Jackson look competent. I think, I mean, how he was laying two and a half on the road last week is really shocking. This is the worst coach team I can ever remember. I mean, this is still a talented group of players that they have in Cleveland. It is a disaster. I cannot emphasize that enough. If there's any reason why I don't end up winning the pool this year, it's because I bet on the Browns. Uh, <laughs> somehow, I broke down in the pool. They have a nice little uh, function. I'm three and six betting on the Browns. How have I bet on this team nine times? Am I ins <laughs> I'm certifiably insane. I mean, nine out of 15 games. What is wrong with me? Talk about seeing Dr. Melfi. I mean, I, I don't know why I keep going back to them, 
I will not be on them this week. I think you're absolutely right. You have to fade teams like Cleveland, Jacksonville, and Oakland. These teams are fading fast, and their coaches are just disasters. One other thing I'm going to tell you guys. I, I spoke to Ryan a few weeks ago after watching Baltimore on TV for the first time. Uh, I think there was a Monday night game they were on or Sunday night. I'm not sure which. The offense that, he, that he's running right now, I've seen it once before, and it was at Utah with Urban Meyer. Alex Smith was a quarterback. It's an option offense with a quarterback that can run. Using it in the NFL is pure genius. I'm telling you, the, the, the line play, when they put in those tight ends and then the H-back blocking, the double teams, it's one-on-one against the linebacker. You make a block one way or the other, and the, and the running back is gone. I'm telling you right now, this is genius. They run the clock. When you run this offense, it takes time off the clock. You have long drives. You score. The other team tries to get back quick. You get the ball back, more time off the clock. It's just the offense is, is uh, maybe as good as I've ever seen, I, I, especially in the NFL. Everyone said you had to be too – the guys are too fast for this offense, and I disagree. If you double-team enough guys, you're going to find openings, and if you've got a quarterback like this, it's going to be points, 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 points. It's, it's genius. I'm telling you how good it is. It's, it's absolute genius. And you got Lamar, who's way more athletic than Alex Smith. So, Urban Meyer, in my book, is probably one of the best coaches I've ever seen, period. Pardon. I'm praying he goes to Dallas. Praying. No, he goes to the Dallas. Giants. We talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> if Urban goes to Dallas and we somehow get Jason Garrett, that might be it for me. I might lose it. If the Giants get Jason Garrett, we have to have a week of podcasts. Oh, I'll need it every day. All right. The clapper. That's it. Okay. Let's go to who's up next? Key pick for, for dad. All right. Stay in the NFC East. Dallas, Philadelphia. Woo, baby. Primetime game. Um, in this game, I'm obviously going to be going with the Cowboys. Philly's on a slide right now. When they're lo- winning games in the last second against awful football teams, Come on, please. Now you're going up against the big boys and a defense that's fairly solid. Um, the point differential of Dallas is 90. So you think about that, what they've scored and what they've given up, 90-point difference. And Philadelphia is a six-point difference in their differential. They give up a lot of points. So my point here is uh, there's a couple things here. The injuries for Philadelphia, I think it's just going to be too much to overcome. It's too late in the season for them. They're throwing to Joe Schmo. They have nobody, absolutely nobody receiving the ball. And like I said, Ryan would be great in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> the only thing I'm worried about is Dak Prescott and that shoulder. Um, I heard him in an interview this week saying that if he has a run-pass um, option and the guy is wide open, he's not throwing the ball. He's going to run. I'm a little bit nervous about that. And the other thing is that makes me want to lead toward Dallas Jason Garrett, he's not a great coach. Um, we all know that. He's not an X and O guy. We all know that. But he's this team right now is playing for his job. This is a must, must win for Dallas. I don't see any way, except maybe a six-inch snowstorm, that they're going to lose this this football game. Lay the points, and and you're gonna you're, you're you can't lose. I think they're favorite, right? Yeah. 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 Later points you came. I'm in uh, full agreement here. Uh, last week was all I needed. We, we were both on the Rams last week, Coulter. And, I mean, Dallas made the Rams look like they were 
you know, I switched. I switched yeah, at the I, last <laughs> second. Yeah, I, I cheated big time. Yeah, so it's not cheating. You made the right flip flop. Uh, I just that often showed me something last week. I didn't think they had that in them anymore. Um, you're right. They're playing for Garrett's job. I don't think that's going to be the motivation for them. I, I think they've lost that locker room, but they're winning. They're playing to win the division. That win gives them the division. They make the playoffs. Uh, I do want to say though, if they lose that game, does Jason Garrett get fired that day? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Let him go. I just don't think Jerry Jones would do that in season. I think he would wait until the end of the season to make the change. Okay. What do you guys got in that game? I'm, I'm in agreement. I like Dallas minus two and a half here, uh, simply because of what we talked about earlier with the injuries to the Eagles. I am definitely worried about Prescott's shoulder, but I'm going to roll with them. I like them in the spot. Coulter? Yeah, I'm in on Dallas as well. Uh, you know, this is the battle of, you know, we've had battles of bad coaches. This is the battle of bad locker rooms. Dallas has had multiple guys arrested for pot. They've had the Zeke Elliott holdout. They've just had drama year, year, year in and year out in that Dallas locker room. And then Philadelphia, what about the reports earlier this season that Carson Wentz had just completely lost the, lo- the locker room and all the players hated him? That is in the back of my mind. And when they were down 17 to the giants, that's all I could think about is like, how did I bet on this Philadelphia team that hates its own quarterback? So I have to go with Dallas. I think the Eagles locker room problems are slightly greater than Dallas's. We could be wrong about all this. You know, if Philadelphia could win, Jason Garrett is a huge unknown, but I mean, talent wise, Dallas has the edge. I like the spot for Dallas. I hate Philadelphia's injuries. I hate Philadelphia's receivers. Uh, I just think that Dallas finds a way to stop that running game. And when they stop the running game, it makes it one dimensional in the past. Wentz is, I think, uh, a shell of what he used to be. And they just don't have any options to throw the ball. Greg Ward Jr. is their number one receiver. And the two tight ends are probably his best options. That offense just doesn't doesn't do it for me, even when they're at home. You can't get excited about them. Yeah. I just don't see it. So I think that's a pretty safe pick. I think we're in accord. Full on four for four. I don't know how that, what that means, but uh, okay. Colter, you gave us your key pick, right? So let's get your next pick for us. The key pick was uh, the, the saints. That was the one I yep. was on. So I'm on yep. chargers and, and saints. Yep. That's right. Okay. So Mr. Model. Yep. So like I said before, I have the theme this week of road favorites. I am coming back and I am taking Kansas city minus four and a half at the Chicago bears. This is a game that I like a couple things. So one, <laughs> the Kansas city chiefs are playing Mitch Trubisky and a woeful bears offense <laughs> that, you know, looked a little better last week against the green Bay Packers, but still I don't believe in them. They're not proven to me and I don't see them showing up here. The second, the second thing that I have is that this number has already moved a bunch. So this number opened around four and a half, but has now moved all the way up to Kansas city minus six. To me, that is great value. And I just love them in this spot. I also think they're super motivated. So they're still positioning themselves nicely for a first week buy in the playoffs. This game matters. This is important. I think these are two teams heading in different directions. So I am all over Kansas city minus four and a half as my key pick here. Yeah. Colter, what do you got? You have a call agreement for me. This is a borderline best bet for myself. Uh, you, you've gone over this with the Chiefs a couple times. When you play from behind against this team, you're going to lose, and that's what I think the Bears are going to be doing. The one thing that I actually like about Chicago in the last two weeks is they've really, really found uh, – I mean, not found. Robinson's always been a great player. Uh, but Miller and Robinson, that combo at receiver, I think is actually one of the better duos in the in the league this month. Um, 
you can't really trust Trubisky, but I mean, that's just one tidbit. I do like the bears and those two receivers, but there's really nothing to really like about the bears. I mean, Trubisky being behind, he's going to make mistakes. And we actually had this earlier in the year where the Eagles played uh, the bears and you had Doug Peterson versus Matt Nagy. Yeah. We had it earlier in the year. Uh, so it was two guys that knew each other. Well, who had the advantage, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid knows Matt Nagy. Well, huge advantage to Andy Reid in this game. He knows all the little tricks that Matt Nagy's going to play. And you, we, how many times have we railed against Matt Nagy? We know that that guy's going to do something cocky, some weird play where it's like an end around to Cohen or something, and it's just going to be a disaster. All of his little weird plays never work. You can't go with Nagy. I fade the Bears, and I fade him long and hard. I cannot bet them in this spot. One of the best bets uh, you know, that I haven't taken as a best bet, but I'm definitely all in on, on the, the Chiefs. I might even move that to a key pick come Sunday. I like your thinking. Uh, I, I know you guys don't know me very well, but I go back to I, – I hate Trubisky. Um, I go back to his senior year bowl game. I, was, I just <laughs> happened to be watching, and I don't even know why. End of the first half, maybe two and a half minutes left in the half. He's on his, like, his 10-yard line, t- his own 10. And he throws a pass to his wide receiver on a, on a go route, covered like a glove. And the guy picks it off and scores a touchdown. I'm like, how can you possibly throw that pass? 10-yard line. He threw from his end zone. He, throw, he throws an interception for a pick six with a, two minutes ago and a half. I said, how is this possible? And I've watched him. He's, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I hate, <laughs> hate to bet on <laughs> Trubisky. And that's the only reason why I, I, I absolutely agree with you guys. Trubisky's awful. This is an anti-Trubisky pick. He is terrible. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> There you go. We've been all against him this whole season. My God. I almost had this as my key pick. In fact, when we were starting the day, this was my key pick. So you should feel good about that. I have since switched off it. I may come back to it. But like you said, Coulter, how are the Bears going to keep up scoring-wise? And we talked about Peterson over Nagy. Well, Andy Reid, the guy that gave all these guys their start, is basically he's the Yoda to these guys. So he, you know, he's going to have such a coaching advantage. Give me the Chiefs all day. Uh, the other thing that scares me, too, is uh, – I mean, not scares me. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is that uh, Kansas City gives up a lot of yards on the ground. The only way Chicago has a chance is running the ball. Um, but I think, obviously, Kansas City outscores them big time on this. I, <laughs> no matter how, many, how much you run the ball, Kansas City can score in three seconds. Boom. Yeah. Done. I think the mo- – That's what uh, the mo- the model laid out a great point, too, with the motivation. Uh, Bears' dream crusher lost last week to Green Bay. They're out of the playoffs. They are officially cannot get into the playoffs in the NFC. Their dreams are crushed. Kansas City's dreams are ascending. I mean, what if New England loses to Buffalo on Saturday? I mean, talk about a team with peak motivation. Kansas City would be the most motivated team that's playing on Sunday because they will have the sights on the number two spot with a win over the Bears. I love this as a spot here for KC. Uh, there's just, there's really no, no advantage betting on the bears in this spot. You have a bad coach, a bad QB, the run offense. I, I, I agree that the chiefs are bad against the run, uh, the run game, but I mean, the bears don't have any, I mean, Montgomery and Cohen have, what are they cobbled together? 80 yards per game together. I mean, it's really not a, yeah. not a run offense that I'm necessarily scared of. I mean, the one thing I guess I'd be scared of is Khalil Mack getting to Mahomes early, but I think the, the chiefs are, even if Mahomes goes down, I think Matt Moore is a good backup. I mean, I'm really not afraid. I think that guy can cover in a spot if they need him to do it, you know? 
Oh, even yeah. the worst case, even the worst case scenario, I'm still on the Chiefs. Yeah, this may get switched, but it, it that was my key pick. So good job by you, Mister Model. Now, key pick Casale had a setback last week <laughs> for the listeners. That was only my third loss of the season. Now, the model you're charging up, you you got me in your sights, and you know what this <laughs> reminds me of? It reminds me of one of my all-time favorite movies, Rounders. When Mike McD comes in and Teddy KGB's like, look at him. You must feel all big and proud of your win. You got close, okay? But I'm going to egg you back on the table, my friend. I'm going to goad you. <laughs> my key pick. And the only reason I'm doing this is I'm picking against a dead team. You guys are going to like this one. I am taking the Denver Broncos at home. Minus six and a half against the Detroit Lions. I know you guys are going to have some comments because this is your team. I like what I saw to Drew Locke. Now, their offense buttered last week, but that was in Kansas City, in the snow, tough spot to play for a rookie. We're going up against David Blah here again, okay? He's got nothing. Stafford's hurt. And just this week, the Lions owner came out and had to just reinforce that Matt Patricia is safe. If you've got to do that midseason – then your team is terrible. I like what I've seen out of Locke. Vic Fangio's defense is actually doing pretty well. There's a scenario where the Broncos are fighting for a wild card spot this season. I don't see how Blah can score on this Fangio defense that's really rounding into form. It's going to be cold. The Lions play indoors. I think this is a pretty easy pick. What do you guys got? The lock. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute lock. Send a send a a team that's spiraling out of control, put them on the road in the high, in the, uh, high altitude, altitude. There is no way that Detroit has <laughs> even comes close in this game. This is a Denver team that's played solid over the last three weeks, four weeks. I like, I like the team. I think they're playing well. Detroit just, I don't know what it is. I, I always thought that uh, Patricia was a defensive coach, but I don't see it in Detroit for some reason. Maybe they don't have the guns, but that team, that defense is awful. So I'm, I'm, I'm 100% agreement. Um, the other thing that I'm going to let you guys, I don't know what you guys think about stuff like this. I look at stuff like this. The last one, two, three, four, five games on our schedule, on our book in the, in the, in the league, I've got five favorites winning the last five games. That scares me. <laughs> one of the, I'm sure... There's going to be a dog when in one of these games. I, well, I don't can help. think it's going to be Detroit. I can help you with that one. Green, Green Bay plus four and a half now that Cook is out. That number had dropped already today. So I think that's a lot of yeah, value on Green Cook's Bay. A huge loss. Yeah. Cook yeah. And Kirk, loss. and Kirk Cousins at night. I mean, how can you bet on four and a half at night with Kirk Cousins? I think we're about to see Green Bay, the defense. That's like Kaiser Soze. I guarantee, I just had this weird <laughs> sneaking suspicion that this defense set was so great the first two weeks of the year. I don't know why. I just envisioned them kicking the living crap out of Minnesota and Detroit and entering the postseason with everyone being like, wow, Green Bay's defense again. I mean, this is a team that's been up and down on the defensive side of the ball. But for some reason, I just feel like they're about to just, they're about to pick apart Minnesota and Detroit. And I feel like entering the postseason, people are really going to be talking about this Green Bay defense. It's just one of those gut feelings. I don't really know what else to say behind it, but this was a unit in the first two weeks of the year that looked like they were top five. So, I mean, the talent and the potential is there. I like uh, the defensive coach, uh, uh, Patton. I think he's a good coach. And I just think that I would definitely take green Bay just a little add in there. And you're telling me you're going to pick 
Kirk Cousins in a big game over Aaron Rodgers? No fucking way. They always play close, too. They're always close games. Uh, I'm going right, to back on the Broncos pick. Denver pick. This is it's really, really hard for me to not take the Broncos here because all the signs point to them. But Drew Locke getting seven points. That's just it's scary. It's like Haskins getting a field goal. It's really tough for me to see a rookie getting that many points. <laughs> I know it, I know he's at home and I know it's a home run spot. But I mean, this is just an unproven quarterback. I mean, I know he looked good against Houston, but that defense isn't very good. Um, I think the declaration that Patricia is safe may motivate that Detroit locker room. I'm on Denver, but I'm very, very cautious about this one. Uh, I'm not as confident as you guys. The Denver running game has kind of disappeared. So you're really putting it all on Locke's shoulders, not to just win the game, but to gain margin and to win by plus seven or by win by seven points or more. Uh, yeah, Detroit's floundering, but the, the Broncos being favored by this much is a, is a red flag for me. The pick is the Broncos, but not with a lot of confidence. I would, I would agree with what Coulter said. I didn't have much of a read on this game. This is two third string rookie quarterbacks playing who were just right. so far down the depth chart at the beginning of the year. It's just totally abysmal to me. I, I not, I wouldn't add much more than what Coulter said. Six and a half is a huge amount of points. I like Denver to win. I just don't, I worry about them covering here. So I would really like to see that them getting Lindsay and Freeman going to take pressure off of lock and hope that uh, they can run this one and not have to worry about throwing it too much. Hey, how did I get to this position? How did I get the name key pick has like, it's not by making the easy picks. Okay. You got to sometimes make a tough pick and this is what I'm doing. I'm riding. Like you said, we're battling third string quarterbacks here. Blah or lock. Where is Blah? Blah is nothing. Okay. At least lock has got a little pedigree here. He's looked good. Blah has not looked good at all. Any points this season. So that's why I'm picking it. <laughs> and an important note too, is uh, the bucks 32nd ranked pass defense, which is just abysmal. Locked down Kenny Galladay Jr. last week, uh, who's a great player, I think. But, I mean, if that team can lock down Galladay, I think Vic Vangio and Chris Harris and Kareem Jackson can figure out a way to shut Galladay down. And then without Jones, without Hawkinson, without Johnson, that Detroit offense is really all about Galladay and Amendola. So what did we see last week? Galladay's locked down. Amendola had eight catches and 100 yards. But, I mean, that's just not going to get – that's not going to win you a lot of games in the NFL if that's your best offensive player. I like Amendola. Uh, I think he's a hard worker and he did a, you know, a lot of good work in new England, but I just, if he's the guy you're relying on to move the football throughout the game for four quarters, that is a steep hill. And uh, that's probably why I would not bet the lines is this team is probably the most wounded offensive team in the, in the league. Right. I mean, you lost Stafford, Johnson, Jones, Hawkinson. This team is just a mess on offense. Yeah. Well, all right, boys, that's our picks. We got one, two, and three in the room in our standings and 16. I wish you guys the best of luck. Hopefully, I'll actually win this week and actually join you guys winning some money. Um, but that, that does it, guys. Thanks for joining on. Dad, thanks nice for coming on. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, Steve, I, I, I don't think I've ever met you yet. And uh, I'm glad to hear some. there's some logic behind what you're doing. It's, it's great to, uh, to see that. And Aaron, uh, you're right there. You're right there. Have a good week, and you're... Could be uh, flirting with the top spot. I sure I hope I'm coming. Say, all it takes is one bad week from us, and Aaron could easily be at the top spot. It's, he could slide that, right in, you know? That's what worries me is it, all it takes is one not five over 500 week, and it could be all over quickly. So it's a perilous that's position the, being a number really, one. That's really the, that's the secret to this league, you know? I, I mean, I I learned to tell you guys, you got to be about – got to win eight or nine games every week. That's it. 
Not You don't have to win every week. You don't have to be number one. All you got to do is win seven, eight, or nine games every week. Not Recently, we, nah. we've, been on, we've been on fire, the three of us. We, actually, the, all four of us. In the last month, I feel like we've all been in the top ten every week. It really has been a, a good month for us, for sure. Yeah. I hope we keep it up. Two more solid weeks. That's all we need. Exactly. All right, gentlemen. Best of luck to you this week. We got one left. Maybe we'll come back and do a week 17 pick all together. But that is episode 61 in the books. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.